Welcome in. It's the Thursday, Thursday night football edition of the PFF betting podcast. I mean, the week goes by pretty quickly. I know people want to have, you know, NFL football to talk about every single day of the week. But, you know, once things get processed, once models get ran, once everything else, you come up for air Wednesday morning. It's really only one day until football. Now we have it. We are in your inbox here on Thursday morning. Kevin, how was week one? I know we kind of recapped it already um, on the Sunday, Monday podcast on this edition. But do you have any further takeaways that you kind of are taking into week two at this point in time? Yeah, I was able to review a bit further what went on. I mean, I don't know if I, if I have any big takeaways, I guess, from a big picture perspective type of thing. If anyone's looking at futures and things like that, I thought it was interesting, at least that KC and Tampa Bay, the more I watched and dug into things, I feel like they've they've separated maybe even a little bit more after being the favorites there in both of their divisions with Green Bay falling so much with the bills falling with the Ravens falling on Monday night. So all of that stuff happening. I think those two have kind of have separated themselves even further than some people had suspected to start the season. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with you on that. And I do think like the, there is this narrative of the chiefs basically haven't covered because they honestly haven't covered whatsoever all that often uh, from the pregame line, but they do seem to almost be toying with teams or something, right? I do think it's accurate. Um, what other people have said as far as like, you know, it's really hard to actually beat the chiefs. The really reason the only you're going to end up with a win is if they kind of beat themselves. So are you betting them in some of these pregame markets with the adjustment that they're kind of seeing on their spread now that they haven't necessarily, um, you know, covered in what has been quite some time, basically? Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about the game against the Browns is, I mean, the Browns played well, right? Especially they were right. running the ball ridiculously well. So I don't think it's like the Chiefs played poorly. The Browns played well. They took advantage of all the edges. I mean, I calculated that they got somewhere around 10% in win probability through, through all the different decisions that they made and the ones that, that Reed did not make. So Reed seems to like to play this game of, you know, staying close, staying within reach. And when you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you, you got a really, really long reach, right? So right. you can you can feel like, oh, we're down 8 nothing to start the game we can kick a field goal rather than go for it on fourth and two from the 10 yard line, things like that. So for that reason, I think they will continue to, to maybe keep it close and you know, the chiefs are the best team in the NFL. So I don't think you're going to get too big of a discount there. Right. Definitely. That, that, that makes sense. Let's move on. We got Thursday night football might not be, you know, the most marquee match, but it's no Ravens chiefs, I guess at this point coming up on Sunday night football, but it is football in general Island game. We got the New York giants traveling to Washington, taking on the football team, three and a half points spread. The total has come down basically. I think even in the pre preseason lines, it was out to 43. It's now down to 40.5. Maybe a little bit of that is Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I also think a lot of that has to do with, you know, New York giants offense kind of looking like a complete dumpster fire in week one. We have them 21st overall in our opponent adjusted offensive grades. Defense, you know, I do think a lot of people like the Washington football team. I don't think our defensive ranking has necessarily caught up uh, with where they are at in the market. So how are you kind of approaching initially some of the game lines that you're seeing in this matchup, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I think for, like you said, it's been moving around. I don't know if there was even that big of a of a discount across the board for the fact that you've moved to Taylor Heineke, who I think is, mm -hmm. has been okay, at least since he's been in there. I mean, he had some, some decent games last, uh, last week. And I mean, last season to, to end the season. So I, I've been looking at this one mostly through the perspective of, you know, that giants defense, what did we learn about them uh, over the first weekend? If anything, they were one of the better defenses down the stretch last year. Um, I think what was, what was funny was they and the, uh, the Washington defense 
last week. They both played really well on early downs, but then they gave up a ton of like third down conversions and long third down play. So I think both these defenses might be a little bit better than some people think. And maybe that's why you're seeing uh, the lines going down along with the fact that, you know, the, the offenses, as you mentioned, not so hot. Not so hot. Yeah, right. I know. I do know, you know, Taylor Heineke had played pretty well in the playoffs last year. I do think a lot of people might be buying into him from that perspective. It is one of those things that Washington not doesn't necessarily have like a plug and play quarterback system. But I do think that we've seen, you know, the disaster that they had at the quarterback position from an injuries perspective last year. I do think that um, in seeing that a lot of people are just fine buying into them, even with the backup quarterback here on a short week with New York giants kind of traveling in their direction. So, so insane, you know, the defenses you think are maybe just a little bit undervalued still with based on what we saw last week. Are you on uh, either side of this total or is it kind of a spot that you're probably avoiding at this point? Yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's probably something I'm avoiding, but um I don't know. I, I I feel like there's probably some possibility that the teams aren't as horrible as we think as as we think they right. are. So so maybe maybe I could get a little excited about it. Right. Uh, going Definitely. Over. I do think that I do think the popular narrative is going to be that this is kind of a trash game with not much offense production at this point in time. I don't know. I do think that you can potentially buy into it in the um, betting market from that perspective if it gets to continue on down. I mean, 40.5 is like in like the 10th percentile of totals that we've seen over the last four or five years. So it is a really, really low total. Um, of course, short week, people want to buy into that. But I think we might see just a little bit more offense in general. That does kind of affect how you want to approach some of the player props and show down slate for DraftKings as well. Um, a couple player props I want to get your thoughts on here, Kevin. We did see in week one um, really high percentage of passing yardage props and a really high percentage of passing attempt props both go over. That could be indicative of, you know, passing volume in general, maybe being just a little bit up from what the betting market projected out for week one. Um, but in this matchup, I do think, you know, given the fact that the the total is out of 40.5. I am kind of leaning towards some of the overs. One that I really like, Logan Thomas over 4.5 receptions, plus 102 price. Obviously, James Bradbury is going to be heavily involved on Terry McLaurin. Um, Logan Thomas could be, once again, the focal point of this offense. Do you think Taylor Heineke can get him over 4.5 receptions? I think so. I mean, I don't think he's uh, Heineke's a bad option um, as far as he's a little Fitzpatrick-esque in terms of his willingness to throw into coverage as someone who doesn't have the strongest arm. So it's a player that if you look at how Thomas plays, you know, he's going to use a big body. He's going to be that type of target to, to go after. He was obviously extremely involved as far as running a route on almost every single pass snap. So he's going to be out there a ton, you know, Curtis Samuel's still gone. Uh, Deami Brown, the rookie played a ton of snaps, but he hasn't been producing that much. So you're really looking at McLaurin or Thomas. And then of course the backs catch the ball a lot of the backfield too, but it's still a pretty narrow passing game. So yeah, I definitely like Thomas at that number. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week two game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If a sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new 
customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. It is officially the NFL season, and today is the final chance to get 30% off any PFF subscription with promo code KICKOFF30. What can you get with a PFF subscription? All of PFF's locked article content, PFF's NFL college football betting dashboards, our grade-powered projections, cover probabilities, and betting values, 0 to 100 grades for every single player, player prop tool, which shows plus-minus value for every NFL prop, and so much more. Again, that's promo code KICKOFF30 for 30% off any PFF subscription ending today. Yeah, definitely. And so that was that was the main one that I jumped out at me. I want to get your thoughts on some that you may like, but I do want to approach one more that I really like as well. Staying on the Taylor Heineke train a little bit. We have seen him, you know, really small sample size, but over his last like three games, which is basically between 2019, 2021, he actually has the lowest uh, turnover worthy play percentage of any quarterback during that time span. Of course, his dropbacks have been minuscule compared to other quarterbacks. He was at, I think, right around 75 dropbacks. In his one game before that, I think he had four turnover worthy plays. So uh, it's kind of tough to peel away the small sample sizes and what ones you even want to buy into. But that previous game where he had four turnover worthy plays was like uh, three years ago, four years ago, 2017 when he was at uh, Carolina Panthers. So I kind of like him going under 0.5 interceptions. Part of this is the play on the expected game script with the Washington football team leading, uh, being favored by three points. It might be a little bit of a you know approach if you don't necessarily buy into the Giants offense being able to keep pace. Do you think Taylor Heineke can be uh, perfect from at least an interception perspective and go under 0.5 interceptions? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, it all depends on how they're able to keep the scoring differ- differential down. And I think the pr- you don't have a huge concern that the Giants would jump all over you and score a ton of points and then have to be put in a situation where you're dropping back to pass and making it obvious. So I think for that factor, um, it allows you to pick your spots a little bit better and probably not get into tough situations. So, yeah, I like that. Definitely. There we go. So we got agreement on my two props. Let's hear. Do you have any uh, in mind, maybe ones that you've bet already or ones that you kind of got your eye on for this Thursday night matchup? Yeah, well, it's nothing that that I've bet, but I was interested in your opinion, actually, since I know that you've dug over this probably even more detail than I have. Um, as far as the receiving situation for the Giants, because you had something go on here in week one where Sterling Shepard popped out as being looking like the lead receiver here, where he was clearly not considered that, at least not in a lot of fantasy drafts that I was doing over this this offseason. Uh, but he was out there. He ran the most routes. He had a 25% target share versus Kenny Galladay. Uh, ran a few fewer, you know, had some fewer routes, but he had these injury concerns over the offseason. So maybe he'll be, he'll be about the same going forward. But he wasn't nothing right he was almost around a 17 percent target share and now i'm noticing that on these props they have shepherd ahead of galladay on some of these what do you think about those the relative value between those two because i feel like i might look at galladay as someone who eventually will establish himself as being the wide receiver one there yeah definitely i mean that that was how i bought into this you know 
wide receiver unit in the offseason. I did think Kenny Galladay would be that alpha number one wide receiver. Obviously, some of the hamstring concerns in the preseason didn't necessarily um, reflect that. And I do think, kind of like you said, I do think it carried forward into week one, right? I still think Kenny Galladay had a really high snap percentage. I think he was out there on 85% of snaps, ran a route on roughly 84%. So, I mean, he ran just two less routes than Sterling Shepard. So, I think from that perspective, we have seen Kenny Galladay capable of separating um, at a much higher clip than Sterling Shepard has. And even if he's not, he obviously has that really high contested catch percentage, which, you know, isn't necessarily stable. Um, but he's kind of been that one guy that has been able to be consistently good on those contested, contested catches. So I do think that we're going to see Daniel Jones at some point uh, open it up a little bit, maybe take some shots downfield to Kenny Galladay, help them get on, you know, you know, maybe it's going to come in a couple of weeks. I do think that if you want to play some of the player props, I do like Kenny Galladay probably under 3.5 receptions more than I would feel comfortable playing like a Sterling Shepard over at that point in time. Uh, just because I think with the short week, with what we saw in week one, I don't think that... Um, I think we're going to see what we what was established in week one kind of carry forward from this New York Giants room, at least for this next week. Once they get the 10 days off, kind of put some more things in place. That's when we're going to see probably Kenny Galladay emerge. So I kind of think it could be, you know, one more delayed week where this Giants offense kind of goes through Sterling Shepard and then Kenny Galladay hopefully takes over. It's kind of my synopsis. Do you, do you like either Kenny Galladay's unders or Sterling Shepard's over? Yeah, I might like the... I mean, for 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 this week, I'm not sure. For this week, I, I think that things may flip. So maybe even going under on Shepard after he people have been some positive on him. But it's kind of the relationship between a couple different pairs I'm looking at. So that that pair there, and then the other thing that I'm looking at is with J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson, specifically their receiving numbers, which are right. basically the same. And if you look at the the percentage of routes that they ran, again, basically the same, Gibson with the slight advantage in there, yet Gibson had, you know, 25% of targets and then uh, McKissick didn't see a target. So it was, it was like extreme in the targets that they saw, um, but it, d- it didn't really affect their numbers that much. Um, it, it, didn't, it didn't jump Gibson way ahead of McKissick there. So I don't know. I feel like there could be still some value on looking for Gibson to be more involved because he was running the ball a ton too. He had almost almost ninety percent of their of their rushing share there. Uh, so he seems like one of these work workhorse types of backs where I don't know if they're quite pricing him at that level. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I do think that there is like a little bit of. Um, resistance to price JD McKissick probably where he should be at just because of the fact you know his high target volume at, on that late stretch in the last season so I yeah. do think um, we could see that probably over you know I do think we should probably see that correct before but I am with you on that I do think JD McKissick probably isn't as involved in this offense uh, as people currently are giving him credit for I, and like you know I think you're kind of like a, a Jarrett Patterson truther as well so I think um, <laughs> yeah. you know we could see we could see him kind of take over some of those you know um, you know, that secondary back, at least from the carries perspective, I know he didn't have like a high target share in college, but he's a guy that I would be comfortable with uh, potentially catching passes out of that backfield. I think he's probably a more dynamic playmaker than J.D. McKissick. Do you agree with that with your uh, Jared Patterson perspective? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jared Patterson, literally zero catches his last right. year when he, when he was playing with Buffalo and he was averaging, you know, 200 rushing yards a game or whatever it was. But he showed the ability to do that. I mean, he showed the ability in the preseason. He showed the ability, of course, if you're not getting a lot of training camp, you know, five second clips and making huge decisions based upon that. I don't know what you're doing with your life. So he's, right, he's, right. he's doing that, too. Um, so I think he can fill that role. I mean, most people would slot him in and say he's the the guy if 
uh, Gibson goes down, but I think there's be- there's a better possibility that they use them both at the same time because he has the pass catching chops too, and he can make guys miss. So I feel I feel right. if you have those two things going for you, then why not? Yeah, I like it. I like it. I can definitely get on board with that, you know, assessment at this point in time. So let's let's switch gears really quick. We got just a couple minutes uh, showdown perspective. I know we got, you know, this is heavy of, of a sports betting podcast we do have you know all the props out there make sure you check out the player props tool uh check out green line as well for some of our plays we also has have a dfs optimizer and kevin's great shout on analysis kevin how are you kind of approaching this thursday night matchup given the fact that it's you know one of the lowest totals we're going to see on a thursday night slate at this point yeah i mean i think that the defenses are going to be pretty highly rostered so it could suck out some of the value that people would be hoping to get there um but at the same time there's just a lot of salary left over if you're if you're looking at and picking some lower priced options because you don't have these name brands with huge numbers there. Some of the biggest salaries are going to be on guys like Saquon Barkley, who I think people are going to be conservative on because of the fact that he's playing, uh, you know, a limited snap count, and we're coming off of the second game within four days here. So the guys who are popping here, I mean, number one, I mentioned Galladay before. So I think he's popping a bit. He's a little bit more expensive from a salary perspective than Shepard here. So I have a feeling, again, there's a lot of recency bias in the how much these guys are rostered based upon what happened the prior week. So I feel I have a feeling a lot of people are going to say Sterling Shepard should be the number one receiver. He's cheaper, so therefore he's the one that I'm going to pick through those two, and that could leave some value on Galladay. Logan Thomas, as you mentioned, he looks like he has a little bit of value there. And then another guy who's probably not going to have a chance to be a winning captain selection because he just doesn't have the high-end outcomes there, but could be a good a good flex pickup is Kyle Rudolph with the fact that Evan Ingram's out. And even with Ingram out, I don't think anyone's going to get, get excited about Rudolph, but really all he needs at a very modest price, all he needs is one touchdown and he's automatically in uh, an optimal lineup. Yeah, definitely. And his specialty too is kind of that, you know, still seeing tight end goal line fade to the back of the end zone sort of situation. I could definitely see that play out as well if it is, you know, a little bit slower of a game. Maybe we get some more goal line carries for the Giants. Maybe if they're down there, third, fourth down uh, play action, maybe Kyle Rudolph is that target. I kind of, I can get on board with that as a, you know, Minnesota Vikings, you know, fan at one point in my life. There were a lot of good things about Kyle Rudolph, so I do BFF is appreciate. Full of, uh, full of once, once, once upon a time, Minnesota. Once Viking upon fans. a time, that's all it was. That's all it is at this point. So we've moved on. We've moved on. So, but that was good. I do appreciate it. Um, yeah, we had, you know, we got some good picks, some player props. Make sure again, you check out everything we got at pff.com. Check out Kevin's great showdown article. It's going to be up there tomorrow morning. Make sure you check everything else that we got available from betting DFS perspective uh, from Ben Brown, joined by Kevin Cole. We appreciate you guys listening to the PFF betting podcast.